Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Investor Lab. My name is Goose and joining me on today's episode is a good friend of mine, Hadley Nightingale. Now, Hadley is a specialist property buyer in New Zealand. So, I thought we'd take a slightly uh, international view on property investing today and I know that you're going to get a lot out of it because we didn't really, um, we, we, we kind of went on a bit of a winding journey but it was definitely a fun one and, and definitely insightful. We talked about how he got started in uh, real estate, which is which is in fact by a, a failed farming venture or a bad business idea. And that led him to working in the mines in Western Australia, um, uh, participating in the Rich Dad, Poor Dad education process, which, which arms him with the skills and knowledge to not only build a successful property portfolio in New Zealand, but also position himself as an expert in New Zealand and, 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 and able to help other people too. So we covered a lot of stuff in there. We even covered uh, finding the value in bongs on the windows when you're looking at a property, which is pretty funny. Um, we spoke about the drama triangle and how to stay outside of that if you want to succeed in any relationship. He also covered kind of the two key, two key points on location selection and some really key characteristics that you can apply not only in New Zealand, but in any uh, property market and property journey, building a team and all of that kind of stuff. So I think it was a really, um, it was a fun conversation. I think you're going to have a laugh. Uh, we certainly did. Uh, I really enjoyed it and I know that you will too. And I think this is really going to be suited to anyone who particularly likes the idea of investing with cash flow properties because New Zealand has got a, a, a great uh, great view to investing with, with yield. It's a, it's a pretty good yield market. Um, slightly not as good growth, but but a good yield market. So we talk about the strategies that work there, and and you know, but also how you can apply those strategies in Australia as well. So this is really going to be suited to anyone who has an interest in property or has an interest in understanding the dynamics between different markets, and anyone who has gone on a transformative journey in their own personal wealth story, which I would say is most people. So I think this is really going to hit home with many many listeners. I. As, as you can tell, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and I'm certain that you will too. And I look forward to getting your feedback. Now, as ever, if you have enjoyed this, then don't hog it. Don't keep it to yourself. Share the love. Share it with your friends, your family, your loved ones. Share it with people who you don't love, but you know probably need a little bit of help because after all, sharing is caring and it's good to love people into kindness. So um, do that. Check it out. And also, by the way, subscribe because that means a lot. And so does rating and commenting and do all the stuff. The more you participate, uh, the more that we show up, the more that you get out of it. So we will give back as much as you give back to us. And as ever, if you want to um, pursue this further and if you want to uh, expand not only your mind but the conversation and, uh, and the connectivity that you have not only with myself, Gabby, but also the community of other uh, investors, entrepreneurs, like-minded individuals, all finding success in real estate and personal wealth, then head to theinvestorlab.com.au. There's loads of different resources, loads of different options and different ways that we can help you, um, including a, our online community. You'll be able to connect with us from a buyer's agency perspective, all kinds of stuff. So yeah, check it out. And I hope this has been beneficial to you. We love what we do because we know that it is empowering investors like you to transform their wealth creation journey. And that's what it's all about for us. So yeah, give us some feedback. Love your work. Thanks for listening. See you on the inside. Hello and 
welcome. You're listening to The Investor Lab. My name's Goose and joining me today is a very, very special guest, a good friend of mine, someone who I actually speak to on a weekly basis who shares a lot of the same passions that I do, some similar parts of his backstory, a good friend of mine, Hadley Nightingale. How are you? Morning, Goose. How are you, mate? I'm very well, thanks. Very well. So, a little bit of context here. Um, so we we've known each other for about a year now or so. Um, we've been we we uh, hang out in a mastermind group together, which is pretty cool. But in case people didn't pick it up there from your accent, just when you said g'day, you're actually not in Australia. You're in New Zealand, right? Yeah, that, that's correct, mate. So there, there'll be uh, there'll be times of Aussie twang that uh, that come out, but uh, there'll be a there'll be a bit of a Kiwi that uh, that also flies in there from from time to time. Yeah, awesome, awesome. So now the reason we the reason we connected in the first place is because we are both buyers agents. Now, what I think is really interesting uh, is, and correct me if I'm wrong here, are there any other buyers agents in New Zealand? Mate, there's a couple, uh, but. Yeah, it's not a it's not a mainstream thing. It's not like you uh, you see in Australia with with heaps of them. Uh, we're we're a pretty niche and, and small market, just getting started. Yeah, interesting. So, when you say there are a couple of others, like how do they like how do they operate? What's what's difference? What's the difference between you and them? So basically, the the other guys that are out there uh, also sell uh, property as well. So they'll buy a house for you. They'll sell some property for you. Uh, they'll sell you some off uh, off the plan developments as well, uh, whereas myself and what I do just straight down the line bespoke. Um, we sit down, we have a meeting, and go right. What are you looking for, and and let's go out and get it for you. Okay, interesting, interesting. Now, part of the reason I wanted to get you on uh, the podcast, not only because I really enjoy, uh, thoroughly enjoy every time we catch up for conversation, I always get a lot out of it. Um, you know, I've, I've really grown to really appreciate the insights that we both have on each other's businesses and how we operate. And I love the fact that we're doing very similar things. We've got to share the same values and on, on different sides of the pond. So there's a lot of similarities and a lot of differences, which gives us both a unique perspective. Now, aside from being a buyer's agent as well, like, <clears throat> like I am, you're also um, starting to venture into the education and community building space as well, which is another interesting thing. We'll touch on that later. Cool. But part of the reason I really wanted to get you on, aside from the fact that I think you're cool, is um, because a lot of people do talk about investing in New Zealand. Now, obviously, uh, most of the people who listen to this podcast are based in Australia. But we all know that New Zealand is just the additional state of Australia anyway, so it kind of makes sense to explore investing there. And I really want to just take a little step back though and question what actually, like what is your backstory? Like how did you, how did you get into this? Like what made you start in property? How did you end up here? What are you doing? Yeah, cool, man. So uh, take you back to about 2006, 2007, um, where property prices were, were going through the roof. Um, decided back then that, that farming was the thing for me. I was going to go and milk some cows and, that was uh, that was going to be where it all um, all came together. So, went out uh, with my parents at the time, and we uh, we went and we got some advice from uh, from a real estate agent who told us, "Look, go out and buy this bit of land; it'll be amazing." Uh, spoke to an accountant who said, "Hey, look, it, it all looks pretty good." Lawyer went, "Yeah, sure. You know, they're not making any more land. Go out and buy some." So, went out and, and bought this this bit of land. Fantastic idea at the time. Um, but when you don't really know what you're doing, 
uh, and you make a few bad decisions, you you sometimes find yourself in a bit of a precarious position, shall we say, where um, you've got to go and, and find work elsewhere to keep to keep paying the bills. Okay, let's not let's let's not hang on. Get, take a little step back. So so you got the uh, you got this sage advice that they're not making any more land. You started to go buy some. Why why you obviously alluded there that it was a bad idea. Why was that a bad idea? What happened? Why was that wrong? Uh, just, just basically through through lack of uh, lack of understanding, um, we put in a maize crop that was uh, that was supposed to supposed to be sold at a price. Didn't get a contract on the the end price, and went, "Hey, look, I know the guy. Um, he, he'll be good for it." Turns out he wasn't, uh, and so a crop that should have been sold for eighty grand sold for twenty. Uh, so it's it just a, a you know that there was infrastructure that was going in. So I, I suppose it's the old adage of there was there was more money going out than than what there was. So did in. you did you approach that purchase from the perspective of um like a real estate investment or a business investment? Because it seems like it was a business investment first and foremost. Uh, bit of both, bit of both. So real estate investment from the perspective of it's close to town, potentially subdivided at at some stage. Whereabouts? Um, uh, so it's up in Wangarei, where where I live. So a couple of hours north of Auckland. Yep. Um. So the you know subdivision potential towns growing out happy days let's let's get on the let's get on the wagon, um, and then obviously two thousand and eight two thousand and nine, well two thousand and eight happened, uh, not long after uh, prices, financial crisis right yeah 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 GFC prices dropped, um, so selling it wasn't an option to to get ourselves back out of of where we were, um, so sort of put it on on hold leased it out. And then moved to Australia to to work over there, where there was uh, in, in Western Australia, where there was some more money to be made. Yeah, um, I'm interested in going there. Why maize, though? I'm I'm stuck on this. You you went and bought a farm, so this was your first foray into real estate. Yeah. So your first foray into real estate, you decided to go and buy a farm and and grow maize. Yeah. So um, like like I said, with the the idea behind it was uh, that. You know, we, I was going to end up being a farmer. That was the that was that was where it was all gonna. Um, We're going to make it rich in grain. We're yeah, going to yeah, make no. it rich in why, grain. Why maize? Like why maize? Like, like I understand why, I want to be a farmer. Like my brother's a farmer. I grew up in a regional area. What made that? What the hell made you decide that you were spontaneously just going to go and buy some land and become a maize farmer? Oh mate, it was it was part of it was part of the the grand scheme. So the uh, the the good thing the good thing with the maize was uh, at the time. Was very um, was very profitable. Should you be able to sell it for the right price, mm. and and should you have a contract on it, and when you can't do either of those two things, it becomes not so profitable. And cattle would have been the the far better option, but yeah. you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, got it, got it. I actually saw a lot of uh, similar stories um, growing up. As I mentioned, I grew up in a regional area, and there were, I saw these different phases um, that came through, like alpacas ostriches and all of these kind of like because some you'd hear stories and someone who's made it made their made their millions or whatever farming ostriches and all of a sudden all these ostrich farms start yeah. popping up everywhere and then everyone's like fucking hell no one wants ostriches there's not there's too many ostrich eggs and then you just had all these like high fenced big backyards with big birds yeah. on around and no one knew what to do so no i think it's it's a not a not an unfamiliar story so yeah Okay, so your real estate investing journey started out in a bit of an unusual way in that you decided to try and make it rich selling maize. Now, that didn't work out. So then what? 
so obviously to because of what happened with property prices at the time and as you'd know mate, anytime that you buy something that that's negatively geared you you're reliant on out other sources of income to to go and prop it up so um, what I ended up doing was move to us move to Western Australia uh, into the into the wheat belt there so spent some more time with some more grain and was uh, that was that was that deliberate like were you like oh, hang on hang on hang on if I just go over there I'll work out what they're doing and I'll come back here and I'll smash this or oh no, no I, I wish mate I basically at the at that time my mind was is that you know if I if I work some more hours for a, for a higher hourly rate I'm going to make some more money and that's that's as that's as simple as my thinking was. And where can I go in Australia that's going to pay me the most money? At, mm. at that time was, um, was in yeah in Western Australia. I think I was earning about uh, fourteen fifty an hour in New Zealand at the time, and then went to the went to the big bucks of WA to, to twenty two dollars an hour. So that was, uh, and then just had to work hundred hour weeks to to make it work. You didn't look very hard, did you? If the best job that you could find was twenty two fifty an hour. I worked, I worked at pubs and got paid more than that. What's going on, mate? I'm a, I'm I was brought up on a farm. I'm, I'm very was at the time was very narrow minded into knowing what I know and uh, trying to trying to stick to the safe route at the at the time. <laughs> okay, I think it's it's a really interesting um it's a really interesting point you touched on with negative gearing there because the way um the way that I like to think about uh, property and real estate is that it is a business, right? And so approaching that first purchase uh, with the idea that it would be a business venture and that the business opportunity would provide the cash flow is ostensibly no different from investing in real, residential real estate. Like there's, there's literally, conceptually, there's no difference. What you are buying is a piece of land and what you're operating is a business on top of it. And in the case of residential real estate, you're operating the business of a dwelling which uh, services clients with their needs of, of shelter in this case, you know, you just maybe chose the wrong business proposition. Okay, so yeah. you went to you went to WA, you started earning the um, the princely sum of twenty twenty two dollars fifty an hour. What were you doing? Uh, so I was basically driving tractors uh, around uh, around paddocks and uh, planting planting grain, and then um, yeah, working on the farm during the off in the growing season and then harvesting again. Uh, so did that did that for a couple of years. Um, then, um, then got a, a wonderful idea that hey, maybe driving road trains is the uh, is, is the thing I can do. Let's let's give that a crack and uh, and see how we go. How, how did how did that go? Well, pretty well, I think. I um, first job, quite a good story actually. So first job I got, um, it just happened to to be at the the local supermarket, and um, bumped into a guy that uh, that owned the local road train company. And so, oh, hey mate, you know, I've got my I've got my road train license. Um, do you um you got any jobs going? He goes, oh, actually, a, a guy's leaving in a couple of weeks' time, and I need someone to to fill his position. Have um you got any experience? Yeah, 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 yeah. Driven a few tractors and uh, a few trucks around the place, so we we should be sweet. So got got that job, uh, and then the, the the first day on the job, I drove from Perth to Exmouth. Um, which was uh, which was no no mean feat, and it just sort of it, it carried on from from there. So um, from there, ended up driving quads out of Port Hedland, and then moved into the mining game. Nice. And so that was sort of over a, a couple of year period, and then in the mines for a few years before moving back to New Zealand. Nice. Weren't you smoking like about six hundred ciggies a day whilst you're driving those trucks? I remember you telling I, me that. At least, at least. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing like lighting one off the other. 
Oh, rough. Okay, yeah, very. Okay, okay, cool. So, have you still got that? Um, have you still got that first pass of land, mate? We've still got it. Still got it. I think the uh, the value now is probably sitting about where we bought it. Well, well that's good. So, at least, yeah. you, haven't lost, at least you haven't lost anything. <laughs> no, this is true. Well, I mean, you don't lose any money until you've got to sell it. Exactly right. Okay, cool. So, how did you go from a uh, chain smoking truck driver in the mines in WA to uh, real estate? What like property, particularly after you you. Let's be honest. Cooked it a bit on the yep. first on the first run. What yep. made you go? What made you decide that um, chain smoking in the cab of a truck was not going to be the future for you? And then what led you from there into property and why? Um, yeah, I, I think the the whole time that I was there, I knew that it wasn't it wasn't for me. That my life wasn't going to be a, an overweight because I, I was about another twenty kilos heavier than than what I am now as well. So knocking the knocking the the ton mark. Um, and so with that, I went, right, this isn't for me. I need to branch out and do some, some other stuff. So I always had little side hustles going on um, as well and then got back to New Zealand and um, thought, right, I'm, I'm 29, nearly 30. I need to do something with my life rather than um, doing what I'm, I have been doing. Uh, so, yeah, as I said, came back to New Zealand, went to a, uh, a Robert Kiyosaki event and um, went, right, from what these guys are, are saying, um, there's got to be some money in property. But obviously, there was that fear at the same time to go, and, well, as you say, I've, I've cocked it up once. So um, so I think if I'm going to do this again, uh, I'm, I'm going to need some help with it. And I think that was that was where the where I sort of sat on the, the property side of things, was that the, the intention was always to go back in it, but I just never knew how. Mm. Um, and I also just wanted to make sure that if I was going to do it again, that we had someone there that actually knew what they were talking about to help us on that journey rather than uh, good luck, get out there and uh, and see if you can make the same mistakes again. Okay. Yeah, I think that's, um, it's good that you had that self-awareness because a lot of people don't. I have a lot of people that come uh, to me looking for help and sometimes they have like five properties and they've literally made mistakes on all of them. And yeah. um, in fact, I had one guy um, who I got on the phone with the other the other week, and he had nine properties. And uh, and uh, and I was thinking, I said to him, I said, "What do you need my help for? You bought nine yeah. properties. Do you like what do you need a buyer's agent for?" And he said, "Well, none of them have grown. <laughs> none of them have grown in fifteen years." And I was like, "Yeah, how? Wow!" I was like, "What have you been doing anyway? Being off the off the plans and all of this kind of stuff, but." It's good that you had that self-awareness and you sought to get a bit of guidance. But what happened there? So you went to the Robert Kiyosaki event. Now, I know what that is, but a lot of people don't. And I'm just going to rip the scab off. A lot of people say yeah. it's a scam. A lot of people say it's a scam. A lot of people say that you go to these property seminars where you've got these um, you know, big visionary, like you can get rich in real estate and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and they say that it's a scam. What do you? What was? What was your experience? How was your? How did you traverse that whole environment? What did you get out of it? What was good? What was bad? Yeah. Yeah. Take, cool, man. So I, 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 I suppose the the thing for me is is uh, I sat there in, in that event and went. Uh, I mean, I, I I'm a bit of a skeptic, uh, and I went, well, you know, even if a third or a quarter of the stuff that this guy's telling me at the front of the stage, if I can just get a quarter of what he said. Or an eighth of what he said, I'm I'm going to make my money back on this on this investment and on this journey. 
He must have been so, saying some pretty big stuff if you only needed an, an well, eight. <laughs> I, I mean, in, in terms in terms of it, you know, if when, when you're sitting there and you've got and you've got zero and you've been going backwards for a number of years, and mm. someone's saying, "Hey, look, you you know, you can make four grand a month, you know, in the next two years." Well, you know, five hundred bucks a month would have been better than, to me than the negative fifteen hundred at the at the time. Um, so I suppose I, I sat there and I went through that and went, well, you know, the, the value that the guys show, what they knew, um, was a case of, well, let's, let's, let's go and see worst case scenario. We, we lose 40 grand. I've lost 700. What's the difference? Well, <laughs> a, a couple, a couple of zeros, but, uh, 40 wasn't anything in, in comparison to the, uh, comparison to the 700. So but I suppose it's like anything, mate. You, if if you you go down the line and you pay the money, and you you're committed to to going and doing something. Well, most of the time, anyway. And um, most of the, the the reason that we wouldn't have done well in it was because we didn't we didn't do anything. If we hadn't have done anything, mm. and I think I think that's the same. That's the same with my business now, with people um, that have the best of intentions, but then don't want to do anything. And you can't guarantee success that, that way. Yeah, 100%. I, I think that there's a, there's a really interesting um, uh, construct called the drama triangle. Are you familiar with that? Uh, no, not, not 110. Okay, so the drama, the drama triangle is basically a um, – oh, I can't remember. There's a, there's a, it's like a, um, a human psychology organizational uh, viewpoint. I can't remember. I'll, I'll chuck some links in the show notes for people that are interested. But it's, it essentially says that there is a, there's always a triangle in any relationship and at any given point in time, you are either the victim, the uh, savior, who's a victor, savior, and uh, enemy. Victim, savior, enemy, right? And so – Depending on where you sit in that drama, the, the aim of the game is to get outside the drama triangle yeah. and to not participate in it. But a lot of people enter into uh, relationships, whether they be business relationships, training relationships or whatever, and they are the victim and what they're looking for is a savior. I've been guilty of this myself. I've, I've signed up for courses thinking this is going to be the thing that fixes the problems that I've got and I sign up and I'm like, why isn't everything fixed? Yeah. You said I gave you money. All right, and then so then that's me being the victim and expecting the whatever it was to be the savior, and then when it doesn't save me because I'm being the victim, they inevitably move from savior to to enemy, and then I start to go, wow, you you know, like yeah. you're a bad person and all that kind of stuff. There's a personal responsibility piece in there. Now it's important to note anyone can be any part of the drama triangle. It's not one way. You don't just come in and I'm a victim. You can actually be the savior and, and if. It's very interesting to analyze where you sit. I always try and apply that to any relationship that I have. And the aim of the game is to get outside the triangle yeah. and just not have that mutually respectful relationship where you go, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to need to do some work or whatever. Yeah. So, okay, so you showed up and you did the work. Yeah. So nice. we, yeah, so I mean, we, we showed up, we, we did the work. And I, I suppose we were talking about this a little bit the other day with the, the value side of things and the, and the cost of things. Um, and that, and it, it was quite interesting when you said, you know, did, did you see some value in the course or did you see value in, in what you were going to do? And I suppose that once again comes down to, to perspective that anything, anything can be valuable to anyone, um, but it depends what you do with it and, and how, you, how you perceive that at the, the same time. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, paid the, paid the money, uh, went through the, the mentoring course there, um, bought 
two properties in the first uh, within three months of, of going through the mentoring program, um, and then uh, gone on to to buy more property. Tell me about after. those. Tell me about those properties. Tell me about them. Mate, the the first one was um, a little four bedroom house in Palmerston North. Um, walked into the house. It's I'd probably say it smelt of money. While people were running the other way, we walked in there going, there's black mold, there's bongs on the windows, there's, uh, there's all sorts of great things that are going to put a family off. So what, you're, um, so what you're saying is mold and bongs smell like money, is that right? In, in certain circumstances, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to just explain, that? Do you want to just explain yeah. that thinking a little bit? Like, um, because um, I think I understand what you're saying. You're basically saying it was a dive, right? Yeah, so so it was a dive. It was somewhere where people were walking out of the house, going, "Oh, this this place needs a bulldozer through it." Um, what it really needed was a uh, obviously the the bongs and everything taken out, a uh, a good paint, some new carpet, and um, and a bit of air freshener through the house made a uh, made a world of difference. I mean, there was the the bathroom needed replacing as well. So it was just really a a, a nice, quick and easy. Uh, renovation with a with paint carpet and uh, and a bathroom nothing nothing too extensive. Classic carpet yeah. paint fixtures fittings. Exactly. Surpri- it's it's so surprising what impact that can have. Yeah, it is so surprising what impact that can have. Not only from a um from a yield perspective, but also an equity perspective. Because if you mm-hmm. if you if you buy, let's say a dump, but it's structurally it's structurally all good. You're sitting on a gold mine, particularly if everyone else is walking walking out of the place, going, "This is no good." So, tell me, why? What? 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 What was the trigger that made you want to buy that first property? Was it? Was it um, the uplift potential? Was it the yield? What was the strategy? Flip, hold. Uh, so we've still still got that place at the moment. So the the idea behind it was uh, we bought in a student town. Uh, the house itself is about 300, 400 meters from the centre of town. Um, huge student population. The the street itself, um, go back ten years ago, would have been solely a student street. There wouldn't have been a, a owner occupier that lived in it. And so slowly, the the demographic of people that live in the streets are, are changing with that as well. Um, but we at the time we were doing student accommodation, so rent by room there was a, was a really good option. Um, and then also to the equity uplift uh, and it as well was also the the other side of the the coin so we we hit we got both cash flow with it and also um, the the equity side of things as well so rent by room so does that mean you turned it into a boarding house uh, so over here uh, a boarding house is um, is six tenancies on one title uh, under that is, is just a, a normal uh, rental situation so um, in that house there we had four uh, four different rooms, four tenancies, and then if we had a couple in any of the rooms, we'd charge another fifty dollars a week uh, for that. Okay, H- how much did that property cost, and what was the um, what was it? How much do you have to put into it to fix it all up? Right, Re- yeah. general broad, and yeah. what kind of yields, returns? Like, how did that stack up? Because this is your so, first foray back into it after absolutely stuffing up your farming journey. So, I mean, I'm interested yeah. to know how you how you spearheaded um, what became what's become your future in the industry. Yeah, so what we did, mate, uh, purchased that one for two hundred and fifty thousand. Um, there was about thirty-two grand's worth of work that that went into it, um, and at the moment, it's rented at five hundred and forty-five a week. 
Um, <laughs> well, so it's uh, it's not not bad going. I can see one. why you. I can see why you still got it. Yeah. So basically, all in two hundred and two hundred eighty-five grand. Yeah. And it's now spitting out five hundred odd bucks a week. Yeah, we'll call it five fifty for for round figures. So that's, that's awesome. It's not a not a bad start into into things. That's awesome. Okay, yeah, cool. All right, I can see how this very quickly started to escalate from there. So what so what happened next? Very quickly, like what? Uh, yeah. where, where'd you go from there? Yeah, so we uh, the same about a week later we settled on our second property, which was um, uh, about three or four k's away. Um, once again, really good family suburb close to the university. Uh, that was a that was a five bedroom place. Um, same thing, rented it uh, room by room. I think at the moment, off the top of my head, we're getting about seven seventy a week for it. Um, purchase price on that was three hundred ninety-one thousand, and there was about uh, three and a half grand worth of renovations. There's, there was a, a leaky shower that needed to be fixed, and a um, and a new vanity put in the the corner, um, and then we were we were ready to to rock and roll with that one. Nice. Mm. Would you do you reckon you would ever have been able to work out how to do any of that if you hadn't done the course and gotten some gotten the mentorship and stuff? Uh, probably, but I, well, I, I don't know is the, the answer. Uh, after my, my first run at it, I, I didn't have the best of, of track records. So I suppose from a, a confidence perspective and the, uh, the ability to sleep at night, um, definitely gave me the, gave us the confidence to, to do that. But also too, things like walking into that first house and going, well, everyone else is going, this place is a dive. Why, what on earth would you want to buy it? Knowing what we knew then, you know, we were going right. Cool, we, we've got we've got some confidence. I can bounce this off someone that's that's unemotional and not in the deal to go. Hey, look, this is what we're looking at. What do you think? Mm. And then to have someone go and objectively look at it and go, well, this is good. That's rubbish. Or have you thought about doing X to to help you with Y? Uh, and I think that's the that was the key bit was that unemotional attachment to go. You know. Here's, here's what you could do or no, that's not good. You're way too emotional about this. So, okay, that's good. And so how did you go, how did you go from there being the student uh, or getting or being the mentee or however you want to frame it, but how did you go from, from there to, to where you are now? Um, so I suppose with that, I ended up doing a, a bit of work for Legacy uh, or uh, the Rich Dad Company for, we traveled around uh, New Zealand and Australia for about 18 months with them. So obviously with that, there's a, there's a fair bit of belief in, in what the guys do and the, and the product as well. Um, so through that time, we, we did a joint, we had a joint venture with another guy um, and then we built up a, another deposit and started to, to buy again, except with that, our strategy changed from, uh, buying just single houses to single either multi-unit um, or a single house that can be turned into into a multi-unit um, dwelling. So strategies changed a little bit, but with that, the budget's gone up considerably as well. Okay, so when you say multi, when you say multi-unit, do you do you mean apartment blocks? Do you mean what do you mean? Um, so like standalone house with a with a firewall down the middle of it. So you have a, a three bedroom on one side and a, and a two bedroom house on the other. Um, 
or you have a three-bedroom downstairs and a three-bedroom upstairs. So I've gone for more a house type feel rather than apartment blocks. Okay, so we'd call we'd call units. that a du- we'd call that a duplex. Okay, yeah, yeah. So basically, two houses joined together, two two separate rentable. You know, yeah, yeah. awesome. Okay, we'll go we'll go for the Aussie term. I understand okay. that one now. No, it's good. It's good. I, I find it really interesting because I, I I like to um listen to a lot of US um investing stuff as well and. They talk about multifamily homes and all of this kind of stuff. And I love to understand what the nuances are between all of the different terminologies. So that's, um, that's good. Okay. So your strategy's changed. What do you think is the best strategy for New Zealand then? Because it clearly sounds a, little different from, um, sounds a little different from what we would probably be looking to do here in Australia. What do you think is the best strategy for New Zealand? Um, mate, I think that the best strategy at the moment is definitely from a, a cash flow perspective. Um, for for me and what and what I do isn't so much focused on growth, other than what we know we can forcefully appreciate. Um, so our our main focus and most of my clients' main focus is is the the cash flow side of things, and then also adding some value adding rooms to to then go and and generate equity thereafter. But main main focus buy and hold. Okay, so why why it's very interesting perspective. Why don't you focus on growth? Like, why is that not something that operates in your vernacular? You just said that we don't basically we don't worry about growth except for what we can create. So, does that mean you're just investing any old where or like how do you? Surely you want the property prices to go up, right? And you want to have some confidence around that. Uh, I think that the main focus for us is, is over uh, town size. So anything under sort of forty thousand people, we we wouldn't look at. But re- like for us, rental demand is the rental demand and affordability are the two keys. So those those are the things that that we can control to a degree. The uh, the growth is something that I find a little bit crystal ball gazing, um, and that we know that if we can buy a house for X, we know that we're going to get X number of dollars a, a week rent for it, and then you know done up houses in the area are worth why, then we're obviously going to have that um, we're going to have that that growth in there. And obviously over over a period of time you're going to expect that property to grow. But it's not something that I specifically look at to go, right, year two it's going to be worth this, year three it's going to be worth this, year four it's going to be worth this. I look and go, right, a thousand dollars we're going to get, you know, five hundred bucks a month cash flow this month, we're going to get five hundred bucks a month cash flow next month. Those are the things that we can almost guarantee. The, the we're not going to lose anything until we've got to sell it. And if we've got cash flow, then the selling becomes irrelevant to a degree. That's interesting. So does that mean that every deal you look for must have the ability to manufacture equity? Like how do you how do you how do you build a portfolio on that basis? Um, so most of the the stuff that we buy is something where we can add value to. So and it's also very client dependent. We have clients just go, "Hey, look, I want to, I want to buy something that's near brand new, got a really high paying job, or I've got, you know, a, a, a mortgage free house that's worth, you know, whatever it's worth." So we can draw down on that to, and use those bundles of equity. In terms of someone that was starting that was going to build a portfolio, we'd be looking to start in the the smaller regional towns, um, where affordability is one thing. But we also know that we can get some equity uplift in there as well to, to recycle. The, the other thing that's just happened in New Zealand that's going to make things a lot easier is that the changing of the loan-to-value ratios. Uh, they were at 70%. The Reserve Banks just said, hey, look, we're going to, to remove the, the loan-to-value restrictions. 
but that's going to be bank to bank dependent on on what they'll lend. Can you just, can you just explain that a little bit? So what what do you mean loan to value restrictions? Like because in Australia you can get ninety uh, percent LVR loans if you if you really um uh, uh, entrepreneurial you can probably find hundred percent LVR loans. Still. Right. Okay. Um, but um, but 80, 80 to ninety percent is typically sort of where most investors are sitting. So what do you mean the LVR restrictions? All right, sorry, mate. Yeah, so back in two thousand and uh, sixteen, they they put a restriction on on loan to value ratios. So uh, for a while there, it was at, you needed a sixty percent deposit to uh, sorry a forty percent deposit to buy a house. Then it went up to sixty five, and then now it's sitting at at seventy percent. Uh, they'll 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 lend you. So uh, you went forty percent deposit, thirty five percent thirty. And now they've they've loosened that back up again. So up until this point, it's been really difficult to recycle deposits back out of property because you've had to leave so much money in for the the loan to value rules. Um, so now with the, the releasing of them, uh, it's it's going to be a lot easier for guys to go and buy something uh, or a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar house that you're going to need a fifty thousand dollar deposit for, um, you know, rather than than closer to a hundred for. Um, for exactly the same thing. Mm. How do you think that's going to change the market? Do you think that's going to suddenly create a, a boom scenario because you can have all these different people who can all of a sudden access equity and they're, they're going to start racing around and going, let's go buy more houses? I, I think the big thing is confidence, mate, at the, the end of the day. Um, with, I mean, who, who knows what the fallout from from the whole coronavirus um, thing. I mean, obviously, we've we've been uh, struck down a little harder than you guys in terms of our, our lockdown. Uh, we got fully locked down for a month, so basically there was no one trading. Mm. Um, there's been huge amounts of, of job losses, uh, and which I suppose to a degree we won't see the full extent of um, until our, our government wage subsidy uh, ends. And then also to... Uh, the government said to the banks that, hey, look, you need to give everyone a mortgage holiday. So while the wage subsidy is happening and while the mortgage holiday things happening, happy days where we get money and we're not having to pay for, for things. But I think over the next six months, it'll be, it'll be interesting. And, and there's a lot of people around going, you know, I don't know whether I'm going to have a job soon. I don't know what the market's going to do. And so I think with, with the uncertainty in there, um, you know, I, I don't see the market skyrocketing again. I, I could be wrong. That's my that's my crystal ball gaze. This is really interesting. Okay, so here you are. You're a property professional. You've tra- you've transversed the um, the journey from big mistake through to learning, through to building a portfolio, through to deciding that you're going to help other people build portfolios. And you're sitting there saying that things aren't looking that great. Uh, from a um, well, I, I think from a buying perspective, happy days. Um, is that we've we've potentially turned from a from a seller's market to a um, to a buyer's one. Uh, obviously, people that have that have got secure jobs and that have got lending ability are, are going to be able to to purchase property as they always have. Um, it's the economic outlook for the the country in general, which then drives consumer confidence. Um, how are the banks going to look at this? And and the, the banks are forecasting ten percent unemployment. Um, how are they going to look in terms of from a lending perspective and things like that? So um, from a, an opportunity perspective, I think there's going to be opportunity galore. From an economic um, country perspective, time will tell. Do you think though, that that's going to make property prices 
go down? Like, if 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 do you think that that's what's going to happen? Yeah, I, I think there's going to be a drop. Okay, so what what is your advice then um, to someone who's considering buying right now? Um, I think for with uh, our clients at the moment is is that we're we're looking at things once again from a cash flow perspective. So the the way that most of my guys are looking at the moment is is that if the numbers work for me now, and and I don't have to sell the property in six months' time, it, it, we're in this for five to ten years. Um, so we're better to be in the market receiving some cash flow, and even if you're getting a net return of three or four percent, it's better than the one point five percent the bank's giving you at the moment. So that's Simple. that's sort of where we're where we're sitting. I'd I'd be nervous if I was trading property at the moment. Hmm. Trading is in buying, selling, flipping, and all of yeah. that kind of stuff, yeah. as opposed to taking a buy and hold strategy to it. Yeah. Okay. That's really interesting. So, how much do you know about the Australian market? Not a whole lot, mate. Not a whole lot. Interesting. Have you, have, you had, have you had many Australians want to invest in New Zealand? Uh, probably 90% of my clients are Australians. Uh, why do you, why do you think that is? Uh, a couple of things capital gains we, we don't have. Um, so we, if if you sell a property within five years, um, you'll pay income tax on the on the on the property or on the the profit made, rather than a, a sole capital gains. We don't have stamp duty either, is the um is the other probably key thing. Um, and like I said before, a lot of our clients are coming to us going, look, we're just we're just trying to chase some yield. So we're we're looking at stuff that's you know six, seven, seven and a half percent. Um, sometimes eight, depending on on where we are. Uh, so it, it's really a combination of those three things are, um, are, are where people are looking. So, in your like, if you were to give people guidance and on doing it, you'd basically say go for yield over growth. Just keep chasing yield, and you'll be fine. No, I I, I think that there needs to be a, a balance of things, and it depends on what what clients are, are looking for. Um, I mean, for, like I say, for, for me personally, I take a more, a more balanced approach where um, provided what we do is, is going to give us sort of, you know, $1,000 a month after expenses cash flow, um, but we can make 150 to 200 grand in, in three to four months with putting another building in there. Um, you know, why wouldn't you? But not everyone's got that risk appetite. So I'm... I'm, I'm- I might be missing something here, right? But like, so what? So you can get a thousand dollars a month net cash flow, because yeah. like when you when you say six, seven, and eight percent yield, I mean like eight is very high for Australia. Um, yeah. But sixes sixes are fine. Like we can get six. Yeah. It's like fine every day of the week. Um, that's totally fine. What? What I'm confused a little bit about though is how you're getting thousand dollars net cash flow. Like, what kind of like what kind of properties are producing thousand dollars net cash flow per month? Uh, so, uh, to, to give an example, uh, the the last property that we did uh, brought it for four fifty. Uh, we spent about a hundred or one hundred and fifteen all up. Um, that place there is renting out at uh, nine or eight hundred and ninety five dollars a week with interest rates at you know three and a half four percent it's um right that's a very interesting proposition so is it just as easy as um like i mean that sounds pretty appealing that sounds pretty exciting now because as i say look you know if we were to get say a six percent yielding property here i would expect depending on the loan structure that the net cash flow on a per annum per, per annum basis 
really depends on the loan structure, what the LVR is, what the interest rates are and all of that kind of stuff. But it'd be somewhere between two dollars and $5,000 a year net. And yeah. you're saying, so there's a, there's a big argument to say about that. So why doesn't everyone just go and pile over to New Zealand and start buying up all the Kiwis properties then? No idea, mate. okay interesting (laughs) yeah i I think the the other thing with that too is is that um like in terms of in terms of our outgoings um our uh just to give you some really rough numbers off the top of my head for for the place i was just mentioning like our land rates are are like two thousand two hundred dollars a year our insurance is is fifteen hundred bucks a year so the the out the the cost of maintaining it isn't isn't hugely expensive either um, from a from an what, what are the property management rates like? Uh, so we we pay about eight and a half percent plus GST, which is fifteen percent over here. So say ten percent all in. Yeah, right. This is a bit higher than we pay here, mate. I'm interested. We're gonna have to compare some notes and compare some numbers on that because we might have to formulate a bit of a strategy between us. I think because I think ostensibly the the kind of people that we work with and the people that you work with are not not dissimilar, and I think that's why no. we, we we resonate with each other. And our strategies are fairly similar too. You know, you've got to you need to be chasing the opportunity for capital growth, but you really need to be focusing on making sure it's cash flow positive, and then also looking at the different ways that you can add value. And one of the things because I actually did. Um, I actually did the rich dad poor dad course as well, or I did at least right. a portion, did a portion of it. I didn't do the um, didn't do the mentorship program. Um, stopped short of that, but the principles were really good, and they talked about investing in New Zealand. And the big um, the big kind of wake up call for me was they were talking about all these things stuff that you could do in New Zealand, but then I was finding you could do it in Australia, and I was like, well, why would I? Why would I go there? And it's but it's a very interesting discussion to have because if you just look at it on the, on a on a top level basis. I can find exactly the thing here and probably with better capital growth, right? That's yep. just, they're probably with better capital growth and that's just the, the real basis of it. Um, but it'll be interesting to compare, compare some more detailed notes. We can do that offline. So, okay, mate, we've covered a lot of ground here. We've gone all the way from, you know, you be, are you actually, are you still got an interest in farming? Yeah. Yep. Still got, um, still got, still got the land. Uh, just, just starting to expand my, my little chicken empire. So uh, why my, why chickens? Why chickens? You've gone from maize to chickens. Why chickens? Mate, I think that there's there's a, a global demand for protein. Um, is the uh, is the is the honest answer? How much how much market research have you done? Like, how, have you actually learned any lessons? Have you actually have you done some market research that indicates there's a global shortage of chicken protein? Mate, you you're you're not going to believe this, but um. I've I've actually I've got a, a couple of people that are that are deep in the industry that uh, that are mentoring me through the process of uh, of how I do this. So I so I have learned some lessons. What is than, okay mentoring you through the process? What is the rich dad poor dad equivalent in chicken farming world? What is that mentorship program? No, it, it's it's through people that I've uh, people that I've met. So there's there's no there's no company uh, traveling around the countryside offering you chicken mentorships. <laughs> not yet not yet not yet it could be there could mate, be once, mate once you crack the chicken code that could be <laughs> you could be you could be the ch- the chicken man of new zealand chicken and real estate hadley nightingale chicken and there real you estate. go mate, i think there's um i think there's something i think there's something in that so mate i've really enjoyed this discussion as i said we covered a lot of ground we covered farming how you kind of got to where you are how you navigated um, pulled yourself and stayed outside the drama triangle to successfully navigate the, the courses and stuff, which will put you in a really good position. Um, I guess, have you got anything that you wanted to, to share with the listeners about how they, you know, like what, if they wanted to invest in New Zealand, what should they be thinking about doing? 
Yeah, I, I think like inv- investing anywhere, the, the important thing is um, making sure you have a good team around you. Uh, and 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 that doesn't matter whether you're in Australia or, or here. So having people that you that you know, like, and trust, and that if they give you some advice that's backed up by um, by facts, and that that they've got a, a reliable track record of, of what they've been doing. Um, and I suppose the the same thing if you're you're looking at buying property, um, that you need to make sure that people are licensed and that they've they've got the appropriate qualifications are not just someone that's trying to sell you something off the, the back of the truck. The other, I suppose, and the other important thing too is to remember that, that sales agents work for the seller. And as much as they, they want to tell you that they're there to, to give you a good time and, and look after you and get your deal, um, the end of the day, their, their duty there is to, to help the, the vendor get the, the best price for their property. Um, so I suppose that's the, those are probably the, the, the three main, main takeaways from it. Team, Make sure you find someone that knows what they're doing and um, just be careful of the people that you take advice from and, and check that they've got a, a solid track record. Yeah, totally. I, th- I think that's great because that's, um, that's immutable advice that can transcend whether it's Australia, New Zealand, US, UK. I think you need to, you really need to build the right team. And I think that um, that's a great case for, that's essentially why I got started in that's, that was really the, the, the foundational basis. Before I ever did any of the courses or anything like that, you know, we went and bought what we thought was going to be an amazing uh, property. We got oh, we got sold. We got sold so well, mate. It was a it was a Sunday afternoon. A quick quick story. It was a Sunday afternoon. I was feeling a little disenfranchised with life, and I was I was clutching I was clutching for something. Gabby and I talked about buying a property, and it was a Sunday afternoon, and I, we had nothing to do. I said, "Should we just jump on the bikes and go for a little ride?" I saw there's some like um, display units or whatever, right? So we'll just go check them out. <laughs> <laughs> and then we um about the fourth one we ended up with up in he um he's offering his bottles of champagne oh. and oh man all this stuff and mate why we wouldn't walked, you mate we honestly we walked out of there with a contract like <laughs> we went, we went we're a Sunday bike ride literally a Sunday bike ride because we're like yeah let's go kill some time or whatever and we end up walking out with a contract they're like no this is definitely a good idea and so I've been on the I've been on the receiving end of that and not actually having um. Not actually having a done 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 the research and gotten the right advice and all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think I think that that's super important, and I think it's got to pass a logic test as well. So there's there's um, something that I like to bring to the table with people is facts. Like facts, facts are well, facts are, uh, are an opinion anyway because you can take a piece of data and you can interpret it many different ways. So you need to be able to it needs to stand up to a logic test. You need to be able to present all of the information and go, hey. This is robustly why I believe that it works. And if you understand this too, um, it should withstand robust scrutiny and you should be able to believe it too. And there shouldn't be any kind of holes in the story. And I think that's a real, a real key thing. So cool, man. Mate, I um, thoroughly enjoyed this and I look forward to, um, mate, we might have to uh, get you on again in the future just to get a bit of, uh, get more, bit more insight into the New Zealand market. Mate, I really enjoyed the conversation and, uh, and I'm sure that a lot of people are going to get a lot out of it. And, um, if people do want to invest in New Zealand, how can they reach you? Uh, mate, best, um, best way to do it is either uh, through Facebook um, or Google my name is probably the easiest way. Hadley Nightingale, you'll find all of my social media links pop up right there. Um, and then, or if you wish to email me, Hadley at NewZealandPropertyBuyers.com. Nice. Awesome, man. Mate, thanks so much for your time and let's catch up again soon. Sounds really good, mate. Really enjoyed it and I look forward to coming on again. Nice.